Okay, good to see you tonight. If you would take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 12. I want to make sure I read every word. But you know something? Words are important. You leave out one word and you can change things. That's what, that's what all these modern versions have done. Leave out a word here, add a word there, and it changes things. For example, John 7, I think it's John 7, Jesus' brethren said to him, go up to the feast. And he said, I go not up yet. The New International Version takes out the word yet. And then it says, the next verse, then went he up to the feast, but not openly. So if you take out the word yet, what do you make Jesus? Changes some things, doesn't it? Anyway, words are important. <clears throat> words have meaning, you know, with our woke culture. And I was watching a video, an interview of a guy interviewing. He was a, he was a kind of an apologist. He was interviewing different people on the streets about asking them about different woke ideas. And, and he said, so basically, words don't mean anything. And that, that's kind of what it is, you know. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, how do I get into all that? Genesis chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 year, 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and in the land of Canaan they came. So tonight we're going to be looking at Lot. I titled this Lot, Living for the Present. Living for the Present. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. We thank you for the privilege we have to be assembled together, to sing praises under thy name, to worship you. I pray that our worship be pleasing to thee tonight. Let's look at the word of God and consider this man, Lot. Uh, I pray that you should help us to receive instruction and help and that you might be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One commentator said this, quote, Lot seems to be a representative man. Perhaps there's no Bible figure who represents so many men of today as Lot of Sodom. Where you can find one Abraham, one Daniel, or one Joshua, you'll find a thousand lots. Unquote. You know, lots started out well, but he acquired riches, and with his wealth came trouble. You know, he had a good start. You know, Lot was the nephew of Abraham. Now, this is not a message against wealth, because Abraham had wealth. It's what you do with it. But Lot was a nephew of Abraham, the one referred to in the Bible as the friend of God, the one whom God spoke to face to face, appeared to, in Genesis chapter 18, it says the Lord appeared to Abraham and says, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Kind of reminds me of Genesis 25 verse 14 where it says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord was with them that fear him. In other words, if you want to understand and know God and know his will for your life, 
you have to fear him. Um, this, was, this was Abraham. So Lot was his nephew. And I want to notice three main things, and then I have some sub-points tonight. First of all, he had opportunity for a faithful life. Uh, he, had, he had the witness of the faith of Abraham. In Genesis 12, here in verses 1 through 4, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in shall, and thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. So here he says, again, the Lord had said, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy father's house, so leave home, leave what you know, and go to a land I will show you. He didn't say, you leave North Carolina and you move to Oregon. Or California. Lord help me if it happens. But, uh, you know, or, you know he, didn't, he didn't say anything like that. He said, he said, you leave your land of your father and mother and you go to a land that I will show thee. And Hebrews 11 tells us very clearly that Abraham... It says in verse 8, Hebrews 11, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, he went out not knowing whither he went. In other words, he didn't know where he was going to end up. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6? Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. See, we so, we so often, we want to come to God and we think God should reveal to us how everything's going to work out for all life. You know, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God says, you trust me, you obey me for today, and I'll take care of tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. But you trust me for today, and tomorrow will take care of itself. This is what faith is. This is what faith is. And, and so, and, and, you know, Lot, in fact, just a little bit of background of Lot. Uh, of course, he's a nephew, but his father has died before. If you go back to chapter 11, in verse 27, it says, These are the generations of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father in Terah in the land of, of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. So, so... Lot's father is dead. So, so from what I see here, what I can gather is, Abraham kind of took Lot under his wing and became his, 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 his head, his, his uh, guardian, his father figure. And when he was called to go out and leave the country of his kin- kindred, uh, which was a land of idolatry, we learn that in the book of Ezekiel, uh, Ur of the Chaldees is Babylonian area. And, and so when he was commanded to leave that, he took Lot with him. Now, I believe Lot was a grown man at this point. So, you know, he had the opportunity of a faithful witness, the life of Abraham, uh, and, and saw the life or the faith of Abraham. 
he, he also, by the way, he also would have been witness to the frailty of Abraham. And its fruit. Uh, if you look in chapter 12 again, and, of course, we know that Abraham comes into the land, and he, and in verse 7 it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto, unto, and said, unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And, and then in, in verse 10 it says, And there was a famine in the land. So he comes into the land, and God says, This is the land. This is it. Uh, this is the land I'm going to give you. So he builds an altar, and he worships the Lord. Again, Lot's with him all this time, traveling with him. But there's a famine. Now, this is a test. And it says, And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. So rather than say, you know, it's sort of like uh, in the book of Ruth, you have Elimelech um, and Naomi and... and um, I was going to say Hophni and Phineas, but it's not Hophni and Phineas. Anyway, the two sons of, of Naomi and Ruth, not Naomi and Ruth, Limanek and Ruth, you know, instead of, there was a famine in the, in the land of Bethlehem, Judea, which means house of bread. So there's a famine there. So rather than trust God to meet their needs through the famine, they go to Moab, which was clearly commanded by God not to do. Um. Uh, and so this is a test. So, so we see here the frailty or the weakness of Abraham. And by the way, every person has one or, or more than one. Every person has weaknesses. And you can do two things, one or two things with that. You can either realize that every man has weaknesses and realize your own. Or you can look at it and use it as an excuse to not embrace the truth that they adhere to. Um, he also was witness uh, to the power of God. And um, I'm not sure I have the right chapter here. Um, oh, yeah, okay, verse 17. I'm sorry, drop down to verse 17. I was thinking, can't read my own notes. And I did type him. It's not handwritten, by the way. So, um, anyway, he also was witness to the power of God. Chapter 12, verse 17. So he goes down, and he's in Egypt. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So, you know, we know the story. Abraham goes down into Egypt. Sarah's a beautiful woman. And Abraham says to Sarah, you know, uh, say that thou art my sister. She was a half-sister. This wasn't forbidden. By the way, you know, you could say, well, that was wrong. No, this wasn't forbidden until the law. God didn't make any laws concerning intermarriage, and the gene pool was a lot, you know, different back then anyway. Uh, but anyway, there was no laws concerning that until the, to the, uh, to the law was given. But, but so anyway, she was a half-sister. She was, the, she was the daughter of the same father, I believe it was. Anyway, so he says, you say, say you're my sister, so it'll be well with me. He's worried about his own skin. There's the weakness. And, and so she does. So Pharaoh, she's spoken of to Pharaoh because she's very fair, very beautiful. She's a very beautiful woman. 
and Pharaoh takes her into his house. And then it says, in verse 17, And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this thou hast done unto me? Why dost thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why sayest thou she is my sister? For I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore, behold, thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. So, so he, he, he's witness to this. this is, here's a demonstration of God's power. He's intervening on, on, on behalf of his servant. So you see here the actions of a sovereign God on behalf of, of his servant Abraham. You know, God made promises to Abraham, promises that God would fulfill. And we see that in verses 1 through 3. And it included a promised seed, which would be Isaac, of Sarah. Well, that's being threatened here. And, and you know, God intervenes. Uh, so it, it included a promised seed, which would be Isaac, chapter 12, verse 3. You know, I'll bless them, it bless thee. He expands on that in chapter 17, verses 18 to 21, where he clearly says, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Uh, and of course, you know, and by the way, this was even before Hagar was in the picture. Because he got Hagar in Egypt. Uh, and, and of course, he also promised him land for his descendants. Now, you could maybe raise the question, well, did Lot know all about this? I imagine he did. You know, Abraham probably communed about the promises of God to himself. And, and so he was seen, he's seen all this. You know, Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And, of course, this was spoken to Asaph, Asa. And, you know, again, what does it mean to have a perfect heart? Well, David was a man after God's own heart, the Bible says. You're not talking about sinless suspicion, but it is talking of, speaks of one who has a willingness and a desire, and his, his overriding desire is to please and obey God. And that's what he endeavors to do with his life, to obey the Lord. So, Lot would have had opportunity and witness of a faithful life of Abraham. But secondly, he was overcome with the wealth of Egypt. Now, in chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, it says, And Abram Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. He went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and High. Here's evidence of a man after God's own heart. He may, he may fail and sin, but he'll turn around and go right back to God. You know, the Bible says, A just man falleth down seven times and rises up again. You know, David failed God, but he would come back to God. Saul failed God. Saul didn't come back to God. But David did, and Abraham did. So, so here he is. He, they, have, they have much riches. And, and then in verse... Uh, uh, <clears throat> I want to notice several things about that. So he was overcome. I believe he was overcome with the wealth of Egypt. And I want to notice several things here. And I might be stretching this a little bit. Some of you might think. But 
this is the things that I, I saw here. First of all, Lot was satisfied as a liability to Abraham. In other words, he was willing to feed off of Abraham. Look at verses 5 through 7. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Lot, Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. So Lot stayed and reaped the blessings of Abraham as long as he could and did not take the initiative. He, you know, he, this, we're not talking about a, a 15-year-old or an 18-year-old. We're talking about a grown man here who's got, he, he got flocks, herds, and tents. So he's got servants. He's got employees. He's got a family. You, know, you would think this is somebody that would be on his own. Do you know what? He's still hanging around. And working with and, and you know, with Abraham, it's kind of like a, you know, several years ago you know, some of you read about the guy that was forty years old, still living in his parents' basement, didn't have a job, and they finally got a court order to expel him, you know, and um, and he was upset. Uh, that's a liability. He's just a liability. That's all he was. Um, and so Lot was, stayed around until there came a conflict which made the change necessary, made a, a, a break necessary, uh, made a change necessary. You know, the, the, so, you know, are you an asset or a liability? Uh, and, and, you know, you know, he had possessions as well, but yet he's staying around He's satisfied to stay with Abraham and reap the blessings of Abraham as long as he could. You know, in any, any given situation, whether it's home, work, a church, whatever, do you contribute or are you just there to enjoy the benefits of what everyone else does? Do you have initiative? You know what separates regular employees from good employees? The good employees don't just do what's required of them. If they say something else that needs done, they will offer their help or just do it. They go above and beyond. They're an asset. In other words, they bring benefits to those they're working for or serving. Um, they just don't require a paycheck, and that's it. You know, do you participate in work that benefits others when you're given the opportunity? Or do you only work when it benefits you? And so, you know, he was willing to be served with Abraham. Secondly, <clears throat> Lot chose that which pleased himself. Now, in verses 8 through 11, it says, And Abraham said unto Lot, so it's a conflict. Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. It's not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me, and if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land 
here's the interesting thing, like the land of Egypt. And as thou comest unto Zohar, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed to east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Now, so he chose that which pleased him. And now what do you think should be kind of obvious? Here's the father figure. He's not really his father, but he's his earthly father figure, you might say. And, and so he says, look, we, we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, you know, fighting amongst us. We should separate. We should, we should divide. And you have yours land and I have mine and so on. So, and, and, he, and Abraham, being a gentleman, offers him first choice. Now, if you're going to obey... Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, or Exodus 20 and verse 12, what would be the right thing to do if you're the son or the younger one? You would honor. You would say, no, you get the first choice. You know, he showed disrespect for his uncle and not offering him the choice of the land. Uh, uh, Exodus twenty twelve. I know this was written later, but it says, Honor thy father and the mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, again, this was written after this time. However, we still understand from the practices that are written in the book of Genesis that the, the eldest always had the preeminence. He was the priest of the family. He was to get a double portion of the inheritance. That was, that was the oldest. Uh, he was the head of the family. So he was to be honored. Lot lays all that aside. He lays it all aside. So, you know, see, he, 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 you know, he, he chooses here. He makes his choices in that which pleases himself. He's thinking about himself. He also chooses for temporal gain. Notice verse 10 and 11. Lot lifted up his eyes. That word lifted up means to gaze at. The idea is to gaze at with desire. It's the same word that's used of Potiphar's wife in, in uh, Genesis 39.7 where it says she cast her eyes on him. Or she looked on him with desire. Of course, the psalmist said, Psalm 123, 1 and 2, Unto thee... Lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hands of their master, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. So, so it's the, the lift up the eyes has the idea of, of to gaze on with desire. It really implies worship. You know, Psalm 123 there is talking about worshiping God, giving you know, worship is giving him his rightful place. And so, you know, or, you know, another example is Achan. You know, when he saw the Babylonian garment, the 200 shekels of gold and the, and the wet, uh, uh, 200 shekels of silver and the wedge of gold, the 50 shekels, he coveted them and he desired them. So it says that Lot lifted up his eyes. He thought, oh. That's what I want. 
And again, notice verse 10 there, the end of the verse says, like the land of Egypt. You know, Egypt was known for its wealth. It had the Nile. You know, the, the god of Egypt is the Nile. They worship that river. And of course, it's all you know, fertile plains along it, and, and so there's much wealth to be gained from the Nile. And so Egypt, you know, Egypt was known as the country of wealth of the world at that time. And of course, later, partly because of Joseph, but so this is what he wanted. He, he, he wanted what was like in Egypt. So he chose for temporal gain, and he separated himself from Abraham. Or you might say it this way, he separated himself from godly fellowship. Look at verses 12 and 14, 12 through 14. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that the lot was separated from him. Notice again the wording here. Again, words are important. It says, after that lot was separated from him. Abraham didn't leave Lot. Lot left him. Now, the word toward... It says he pitched his tent toward Sodom in verse 12. Toward means as far as, even up to. Even up to. You know, you know has the idea in that limit is included. So he wanted to be included. He, 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 at this point, he really didn't want to live in Sodom, but he wanted to be included in Sodom. You know, Sodom is the is believed where the Garden of Eden in that area of the world where the Garden of Eden really and it, it's very fertile. Of course the Bible tells us that that you know he and he looked on the plain and you know it's a fertile plain there. Uh, so there's again what is there opportunity for? Wealth, just like the land of Egypt. So so he's 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 moving towards Sodom. He wants he wants to be included in the Sodom and at this point he doesn't want to live there. He's not living there. That's the direction he's going. Now the word separated in verse 14, it means to divide, to separate one from another, loss of friendship. Or you might say loss of fellowship. Kind of idea of to part between. Uh, Genesis 2.10 says the river went out of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted and became into four heads. So it went different directions. And this is what, this is what Lot does. He's going in a different direction. He's leaving Abraham because he wants to go in a different direction than Abraham. You know, Abraham lived in the hill country. You know, his, his livelihood was dependent upon the rains and springs and things like that where, you know, the, the plain where Lot's going is well watered everywhere. And that's what he wants. Even though Sodom is right there. So this was a choice of seeking 
you know, business, counsel, friendship with the people of Sodom for the purpose of benefit of material gain. So he was willing, you know, he was willing to compromise biblical convictions for temporal gain. This wasn't a matter of just doing business. You know, I'm sure that, you know, Abraham had to sell his, his, uh, his, his goods somewhere. He sold them to the people of the world. There's nothing wrong with doing business with people of the world. But this isn't what Lot was satisfied with. In fact, we're going to see. Where is he in chapter 19? Look at chapter 19, verse 1. It says, And there came two angels to Sodom and even. Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. So no longer has he just pitched his tent toward there. He's living there. He's a ruler in Sodom. That's where the, that's where the city rulers met, was in the gate of the city. So he's become, or trying to become some influential person in this wicked, and the Bible says that there were wicked sinners there. He also lives in a house. Notice verse 3. He pressed upon them greatly, and they turned into him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. He was speaking about the angels. Uh, you know, these are all symbolic of his wealth, his power, of prestige. You know, where was Abraham? He's still living in a tent. Oh, he's, he's wealthy. He's got flocks and herds and men's servants and women's servants. He's, he's got all the things that he needs and more. He's a, he's a wealthy man. God has prospered him, but he's still living in a tent. He was content to not have with what he had, what God had given him, and not seeking to continually increase his wealth by compromising and living in this wicked place. So, then we see a third thing. His focus in life was corrupted. Look, go to chapter 19. <clears throat> Chapter 19, and I'm not going to read all this for sake of time, but, but we know in chapter 18, the Lord appears to Abraham and tells him he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, it's, now again, the Lord and two angels appear to Abraham. Well, when you come to chapter 19, two angels appear to Lot, the gate of Sodom. And, of course, Lot recognizes them as angels. You know, so he has some spiritual discernment that the others don't have in Sodom, obviously. However, uh, if you notice what, he, what his concern is. Um, so, let's pick up verse 4. Before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both young, old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called on the lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. And said, I pray you, brethren, how can you call these wicked men brethren? Do not so wickedly. Behold, and how can you do this? Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray thee, bring them out unto you. Do you to them as it is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing 
for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hands, that is the angels, and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. They smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out into this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest they be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. It came to pass, when they brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou on the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said to them, O not so, my Lord, behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape hither. Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. So, where was the focus of his life? It's all temporal. What is now? You know, that had become the focus of his life from the time he left Abraham. Well, the seeds of it were already planted. The seeds of it were already growing. You know, where was his concern for the souls of Sodom? All he seems concerned about is that he is protected. He doesn't want to leave his possessions and that he is taken care of. That's, that's his concern. Um, You know, and, and the interesting thing is, he's, it's obviously he's out of fellowship with God. The Lord does not appear to him. You know, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And this is Abraham. And, and it says, And he lifted up his eyes, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran out to meet them from the tent, bowed down himself, toward the ground, and said, My Lord. That word Lord is capitalized. So, so the Lord and two angels appeared to him, but when they come to Sodom, and it's only the two angels, the Lord doesn't appear to Lot. And again, these angels tell Lot what they're going to do at the city. And what is his response? Compare that with what Abraham's response was. You know what Abraham starts doing? He says, uh, Lord, Lord, um, well, if there's 50 there, surely, surely you wouldn't destroy it if there's 50 righteous in the city. You know what he starts doing? Interceding for the city of Sodom. You 
You don't see anything like that from Lot. His focus has been corrupted by the place and the life he's been living. Then notice fourthly, Lot forsook the leading of the, and fellowship of God. And this, is, this all, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14 it says, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. You see, this is what is missing in Lot's life. Instead of, instead of allowing the Lord to lead him and direct in his life, he chose by his own feelings, his own desires, that what he wanted. That which he thought would satisfy him. And the consequences were, number one, he lost his power and protection of God. Look at chapter 14. Chapter 14. It says, And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Eliezer, Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, uh, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemaber, king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela, which is Zor. All these were joined together in the vale of Sidom, Sidom, which is the salt sea. Uh, <clears throat> and again, I'll drop down to verse 11. Uh, says, and they took all, so these kings come up and, and fight against Sodom and Gomorrah and some other places. And it says, and they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. So all their provisions, the food provisions, that's what victuals are, and went their way. And they took Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in, here he is already, in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Mamorite, brother of Ishkol and brother of Anar. And these were confederate with Abram. Aram, Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. He divided himself against them, and he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. So, so though Lot you know, was in league with all these people of the world, and you thought he had had everything, wealth, power, prestige, he's defenseless. And it's the guy that's out there that's separated from that who arms his servants, 318, that has power with God. You see, the philosophy of the world is we need to all get together. I remember some years ago we were visiting where some of you were last night down here in Rollsville. Um just beyond the square, 
and was back in one of those back streets and knocked on the door and here was a man who, who uh, was a missionary for quite a few years, I think in Africa I believe, and, um, <clears throat> and he, wanted, he wanted to invite me to some, I think it was some prayer fellowship they were having. And it was you know, kind of an ecumenical thing. And I said, I said, uh, no, we wouldn't be interested in it. And he said, well, I've learned more and more over the years that we need to all get together, that there's power in numbers. And I said, well, I don't agree with that philosophy. I think there's power in being right with God. But, you know, he couldn't be, con- he wasn't convinced you know, he wanted, he wanted, you know, he was willing to bring in anybody and everyone. Doctrine didn't matter. It's just we need to all get together. That's what the world says. That's what religion says. But it was after Lot was separated from him that God said to Abraham, you look north, you look south, you look east, you look west. And all this land I'll give you. That was a promise. That's an eternal promise. That's still yet to be completely fulfilled. So, so he lost it. Um, he lost everything that he had. Look at chapter 19. And <clears throat> verses 25 and through the end of the chapter, we're not going to read all this again for sake of time, but verse 24 says, The Lord reigned upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. He overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, all that plain, and he looked at and he thought, Boy, I can make a lot of money and I can get rich and wealthy. And God burned it, just destroyed it. He overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him she became a pillar of salt, and Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the plain. And behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a great furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot. You see, God did, in a way... You know, show respect to Abraham and bring in Lot out of the midst of the other row when he overthrew the cities in the plain. But he lost everything that he had. He lost his possessions. He lost his wife. He lost all his children and in-laws, except two daughters that weren't married. But they were lost. They were wicked and corrupted by the influence of Sodom. If you don't believe that, read the rest of the chapter. These were two girls who were very worldly wise. Committed incest with her father. And he lost his testimony. Look at verse 9. Chapter 19, verse 9. They, here's the people of Sodom. This is how the people of Sodom respect, respect, respond to him. They said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. Though he sat in the gate, he wasn't respected. He wasn't respected. Uh, verse 14. Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. 
Why should they believe him? Was his life a testimony that God is true? As Abraham's was? And then the third thing we see here. He lived with a guilty conscience. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Verses 7 and 8. Let's read verse 6 also. It says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So two times he uses the word vexed. And the word vexed is, means it's to, it's to vex with grievous pains of body and of mind. It's to torment. You know, Lot was a tormented person. He was tormented with guilt and fears. You know, the, the, the word is, is used of those that are cast into the lake of fire or tormented. Why? Because he knew. He knew in his heart he was not pleasing God. He knew it. Look at uh, 1 Timothy 6. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich. The word will has the idea, this is what I want. This is my desire. This is what I'm seeking after in this life. It's the same, same idea as um, Lot lifting up his eyes and looking on the well-watered plains. He gazed upon it. He worshipped that. That was, his, that was his desire of life. Same idea. They that will be rich fall into uh, temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown, drown men in destruction and perdition. For love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, Abraham had money. The Bible says he, has, he had herds, flocks and herds, uh, tents, which means he had... He had employees. Well, we know he had 318 least men that he armed. So, I'm, And I'm sure there were many uh, women servants also in, in that camp as well. And then it says he had silver and gold. No, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. But see, Abraham didn't compromise to get his. which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So he's vexed. 
You know, Abraham had opportunities to enrich himself in which he declined. Look at chapter 14. Chapter 14. You know, there are some times when you have opportunities to enrich yourself, you need to decline. That's not a righteous way of enriching yourself. Chapter 14, verse 21. And this is after he you know, delivers Lot and all the goods. He defeats those kings. He delivers all that. And so uh, the king of, verse 17 says, The king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter. And, and so did Melchizedek. And he gave tithes of Melchizedek. And then in verse 21 it says, And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and takes the goods to thyself. So, so he's, he's saying to Abraham, Look, the persons from Sodom, you, you give me those. But all the riches that came from Sodom that you brought back, you can have it as pay for your service. And Abraham, verse 22, says to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord. The most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which were with me, Anner and Eskel and Mamre, let them take their portion. Now, I'm not taking any of your filthy lucre. I'm not taking it. You know, he was not willing to compromise the truth. And again, he gave testimony that it was God that delivered him. It was God. And, and an interesting thing is here, in the very next verse, see, this is something Abraham stood, understood that Lot didn't. Notice chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. See, Abraham, this, under, this Abraham understood by faith. He understood who the real rewarder is. Hebrews 11.6 says that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But that wasn't Lot. That was Abraham. You see, Abraham had wealth also. We learned that from chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. But what made the difference is how it came to him. How it came to him. Proverbs 10, 22 says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord. See, Abraham looked to God to provide and to bless him, and to prosper him. And he was. He wasn't willing to sacrifice his fellowship with God to get it. But Lot, on the other hand, sought the things of the world, the applause of men, the fellowship of men, and so on, to get what he had. And Lot pictures for us a Christian who fails to deny the flesh and lives for the present, lives to please himself, 
fails to yield to God and obey His Word. That's how, that's, you know, and again, if we didn't know, if we didn't have what the New Testament was written about Lot, I would say he was an unsaved man. Because that's how he lived. He lived like an unsaved man. But the Bible tells us that righteous man vexed his righteous soul. He had no fruit. All his families lost. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. And this is, this is a picture of Lot. 1 Corinthians 3. <clears throat> I'm about finished. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 13. <clears throat> Every man's work shall be made manifest. We're talking about Christians here. We're talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by a fire, and fire shall try every man's work of what sort of it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So, fire is going to try. Fire tried Lot's works. It all went up in smoke. He lost everything. There was nothing. Nothing eternal. He lost his reward. Um. You know, it says here he'll be saved, yet so as by fire. Another, you know, did you ever, you know, so like you got by with the skin of your teeth idea? Um, you know, and Paul speaks about this principle in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 5 and also 2 Timothy 4, 8. 2 Timothy 2, 5, he says, And a servant, if a man also strive for the masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. If you, you know, if you play a sport, you know, Jim Thorpe was supposed to be one of the greatest athletes of all time. And he was in the Olympics. He won gold medals in the Olympics. But it's found out later that he played some professional ball where he got paid. And he was disqualified. He lost all his rewards. Why? They said they didn't, he didn't play according to the rules. So, if we don't strive lawfully according to the word of God, we're going to lose our reward. There won't be one. All our works will go up in smoke, wood, hay, and stubble. All of, all of Lot's works went up in smoke, wood, hay, and stubble. Paul said in 2 uh, Timothy 4, verse 8, Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also that love his appearing. Did Lot live expecting the Lord to come? No, he was living for the present to enrich himself. Abraham lived like a sojourner looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Now, I'm not saying you should live in a tent. I hope not because I don't want to live in a tent. But you know, we live in different times. But well, he was, Lot was living with the present. Uh, Abraham was living in light of the return of the Lord. Second John 8 says, Look to yourselves that you lose not those things that you have wrought, but that you receive a full reward. You know, as a child of God, we can lose all of our rewards if we live for the things of the world. If we live for that which is temporal, there will be no reward. 
when we go to be with the Lord. So this was Lot. Lot was a man who lived for the present. What are you living for? Are you looking forward to the Lord's appearing? We are going to be judged. Are you looking forward to judgment? That's what it's going to be. Our works are going to be judged. So are we living? Are we living for the Lord? Or are we living for the present? Be not like Lot, who lived for the present.